Would you turn with me this morning to John 14, the 14th chapter of John. If you haven't been with us for a couple of weeks now, we've been on a new series in the church here. We're calling The Glory of God. And uh, we uh, talked about the glory of God and how the word glory means weighty and how that uh, God's things should be highly esteemed and valued. We live in a world that is very light and frivolous and disrespectful and does not understand the concept of honor. And the church has paid a price for that, a price of not having the manifest presence of God in any strong degrees like they should. And I'm unwilling to do without this. I am not willing to just come to church service after service after service and you look at me and me look at you and we go, okay, we did it again. Let's go home. Hmm? No, that's not what church is supposed to be. How many understand you're supposed to come looking for him, expecting him. I'm supposed to come looking for him, expecting him. And we bring our corporate faith together and he shows up. He manifests himself in our midst and upon us and through us. Amen. And so that we know that we have been with him and we leave refreshed. And renewed and invigorated, strengthened and quickened, fresh revelation and direction. And that's real Christianity. Amen. And, uh, you know, I've been dealing with some people the past week or two that are outside of the church and outside of our normal circles. And I told Phyllis, I've seen it so wonderfully. I haven't preached to these people. I know they keep waiting on me to because they know I'm a preacher. I haven't preached to them. Haven't quoted scripture to them, but they have seen the favor of God on us. They've seen the blessing of God day after day and week after week until they brought it up to me. They said, man, you must be living right. And I told them and they wanted to say, boy, you sure figure out stuff. I said, favor. I said, it's favor. They said, oh, okay. Favor. And that's how it's supposed to be. Instead of folk being so preachy, you know, you got too many folks that are just trying to cram scriptures down people. And then they look at them and they don't see anything in their life. They don't see miracles. They don't see victory. So why would they be interested? No, we ought to have the presence of God manifested. We ought to have healings and financial miracles and miracles on our babies and children and marriages and business until people get to looking and going, man, I want what you've got. Right? The goodness of God leads people, turns people to repentance and to God. Right? So it's not optional. We must have the manifestation. Of the presence of God. Must. How many hungry for this? Like I'm talking about. We got to get hungry. We we must not be passive and complacent. And we must not become beggars either. Oh please God show up. No. It takes faith. Right? Get hungry. But hungry in faith. Hungry expecting. And we have a right to. Because he told us he would. Right here in John 14. John 14. And verse 21, well, let me back up and I'll read this to you from the Amplified in verse 15. 
John 14, 15, Amplified. Jesus said, if you really love me, you will keep and obey my commands. I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another comforter, another counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby. Well, brother, that's all you need. That he may remain with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know or recognize him. But you know him and recognize him for he lives with you constantly and will be in you. I'll not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Just a little while now and the world will not see me anymore. But you'll see me because I live. You'll live also. How many believe he was raised from the dead? So will we. Right? He lives forever, so will we. Glory to God. He said, uh, at that time, uh, you'll know that I'm in the Father and you're in me and I'm in you. The person who has my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my Father. And I too will love him. Now get this. And will show myself to him. Amplified says reveal and manifest myself to him. I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. That's what we're talking about, isn't it? He said, I will let myself be clearly seen by him. I will make myself real to him. King James says, I will manifest myself or show myself to him. So we're not talking about something that we're just trying to believe for that we pulled out of the air. The Lord told us right here in the book. How many understand it doesn't get any more sure than this? He said that if we would love him, and that would be evidenced by our obeying him, that if we would do that, he said he would manifest himself to us, he would reveal himself to us. Can we stand on this? If we obey him, can we expect him to manifest and reveal himself to us? Yes, we can. Now back up to the 11th chapter of John. We've looked at this before, but the 11th chapter of John. In John 11, this is the account of Lazarus being raised from the dead. And Jesus had come to the graveside there, to the tomb. And verse 39, John 11:39, Jesus said, take you away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time he stinks. He's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, said I not to you? That if you would believe, you should see the glory of God. Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you that what? If. What does if mean? It's conditional. If you do, it happens. If you don't, it doesn't. Right? If is the conditional word. If you would do what? If you would believe. You would see the glory of God. Well, they obviously did believe because when they heard that, they rolled that big rock out of the way and they stood back and watched and waited. Did they see the glory of God that day? They did. They saw the glory of God manifested 
in the miraculous raising of Lazarus from the dead and healing him, or elsewise he'd have died immediately again, you know, from whatever killed him the first time. He was raised up and healed. Next thing you know, he's sitting at the table saying, pass the biscuits, please. And a day or so ago, he was stinking. Cold, dead, stiff, and stinking. How many believe God can take cold, dead, stiff, and stinking and turn it into live and well and whole and sweet smelling? Only God can do that. But he can. But do we have anything to do with it? Is it just all up to him? See, people have left the idea, well, you know, God, when he gets good and ready, he'll manifest his glory. He'll manifest his presence. And the implication is it's all up to him. And we'll just wait on him. And when he gets ready to do it, he'll do it. What did this say? Jesus said, didn't I tell you that what? If you would believe, you should see. You would see. So does our faith have anything to do with the manifestation of his presence? Yes, it does, which is one reason why we're teaching on these things. Faith comes by hearing, yeah. right? And we're feeding our faith on what? Yeah, but the word concerning the glory of God so that we have faith to believe for the manifestation of the glory of God. We've spent weeks and weeks at a time teaching on healing. Why? We get faith for healing. We've spent months teaching on prosperity. Why? So we get faith for prosperity. We've spent months teaching on being led by the Spirit. Why? So we can get faith to be led by the Spirit. Now what are we doing? Feeding on the Word about the glory of God. Why? So that our faith rises up. So that we come together, not just come and plop down in the chair and go, bless me if you can. I'm worn out and somebody's got to help me. No, no. You know, you're going to have some babies or some folk that didn't know God that just show up. You know, be in that case. You know, that's understandable for babies. But for your regular people and your folks that are here all the time, you ought to come bringing something. Not just come needing something. Come bringing something. What? Bring some faith. Amen. Bring some expectation. And what if all of us show up expecting with every fiber of our being for the glory of God to be manifest? Oh, don't you think, don't you think God will not show up? Oh, he will show up. He will manifest himself. The Holy Spirit goes and manifests himself where he's appreciated, where he's valued, where he's honored. And this is a place. Amen. It's not the only place. He'll do it anywhere in the world where people will believe him. We can't believe for everybody else in the world, but we can sure believe for our place. Amen. And you can believe for your place. Right? God manifest himself, manifest his glory and his presence in our midst. Listen to these prophecies again. Don't try to turn to them. But in Numbers 14, 21, the Lord said, as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Psalm 72:19 72:19 says, "Blessed be his glorious name forever, and let the whole earth be filled with his glory." Habakkuk 2:14 Habakkuk 2:14 says, "The earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord." As the waters cover the sea. How many know there's a lot of water out there? And the Bible said in Isaiah 40. 
Isaiah 40 verse 5 said, And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. How many know when the mouth of the Lord has spoken it? It will happen. It will happen. I mean, centuries have passed, and we've seen maybe sprinklings of these things, but we're closer to the end of all things than anybody else has ever been. And how many believe these wonderful prophecies must be fulfilled? They have to be before the consummation of all things. How many believe and are fully persuaded that the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh will see it together? Right? And the knowledge of the glory of God will cover the whole earth. No matter what you see or how impossible it may seem, if the Lord said it, it'll happen. It'll come to pass. It'll surely come to pass. And we're going to be a part of believing for it. Right? Not just sitting idly by and say, well, we'll just see what we see when we see it. No. No. Believing for it. Taking an active, aggressive part in it. Saying, Lord, we're expecting it. You said it. You said you'd do it. So we're looking for it. We're expecting it. Right? So we talked for the last couple of weeks about uh, how to esteem the things of God. And we're going to get back to that. But I want to go to another area this morning. Uh, in fact, why don't you start making your way back to the book of Exodus. Exodus, the 29th chapter. Exodus, the 29th chapter. And as you go back there, I want to read another passage to you while you're finding that. The Lord said in Isaiah 60 verse 7. He said, I will glorify the house of my glory. Everybody say the house. I will glorify the house of my glory. That's Isaiah 60 verse 7, I think it is. The house of my glory. Say that out loud. The house of his glory. Say it out loud again. The house of his glory. One more time. The house. Of his glory. Now, you'll see this all through the Word of God, Old Testament through the New Testament, and that's what we're going to get into this morning, looking at God filling the house of his glory with himself. With his glory, it's always been his design, it's always been his plan and his will, and it's what we should be believing for and expecting in its fullness. In Exodus, the 29th chapter, are you there? Exodus 29. Now, did you know that faith is a rest? We don't have to, oh, we got to work and we got to believe this in. We got to believe this in. Watch out. Watch out. You do not get these things through intense effort. Well, we've got to confess it 10,000 times a day. The glory's coming. The glory's coming. The glory. Oh, I'm sorry, Lord. I didn't say it that last minute. The glory's coming. The glory's coming. The glory. Come on, y'all join with The glory's coming. The glory's coming. The glory, the glory, the glory, the glory. Works. Did you hear me? All your fasting, intense praying, speaking in tongues 100 miles an hour, shaking and writhing and sweating and everything else, none of it will produce it. Did you hear me? Because it's not us who do it. He do it. (laughs) Right? 
The things of the Lord, for instance, revelation. You cannot give yourself a revelation. (laughs) I should rephrase that. Not a real one. Because you can come up with some stuff on your own. (laughs) But it's not worth hearing. I mean, you can read, you can do word studies, you can get in the Greek and the Hebrew and the homebrew and everything else. And you can study till you fall out your chair from exhaustion. And unless the Lord reaches on the inside of you and turns on the light, you won't see it. That's right. That's right. You can't give yourself a revelation. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, manifestation of special faith. Uh, these kind of things. You can't give these things to yourself. You either have it or you don't. Right? You can't work it up. No amount of fasting will produce it. Did you hear me? Fasting is good if you know what you're doing. But if you're fasting to move God, you're wrong. Did you hear me? Fasting doesn't move God. Fasting changes you. Helps you put your flesh under. Helps you get more sensitive. You know, you don't move God with these things. God responds to our faith. Right? And faith is a rest. When you get in faith, the Bible said in Hebrews, We which have believed do enter into rest. When you get in faith, you've ceased from your works. You roll the care of that thing over on Him and you go... Lord, you got it. If you don't do it, it won't be done. But I'm expecting. I'm looking to you. I know you told me you would, and I know you will. So I'm looking. I can't do it. You can't heal yourself. You can't produce all the money. You can't come up with everything. You must relax in him and rest in him. We can't produce the manifestation of the glory by intense effort. So just relax. What we can do is expect. How many understand it's faith when you're going, he'll show up. Just watch. He's coming. Yeah, just watch. Well, where's it at? Oh, it'll be here. Or is it money? Oh, it'll be here. How do you know? Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to take a nap here. Don't worry about it. This is real faith. This is real faith. I believe it is. I believe it is. I believe it is. I believe it is. Oh, y'all pray with me. I believe it is. I believe it is. That ain't faith. Right? Said out loud, faith is a rest. I'm resting in the finished work of the Lord. And we're resting in what he told us that he would manifest himself to us. We say, yes, he will. We're expecting it. He said he'd manifest his glory over the earth. We say, yes, he will. We're expecting it. Excited, but not working, not sweating to try to produce it. Now, in Exodus, the 29th chapter, are you there? Exodus 29, 43. We're going to look at a few verses and turn to a few. Hallelujah. Everybody comfortable? You happy? You know, the Lord said something to me this weekend. I changed my thinking a little bit. You know, in the past, I have made remarks about the time and 
give me a little more time. or And that's wrong. It's wrong. The Lord told, he helped me to see the last few days. He said, you're talking about the modern folks come. His concept of the length of a service is wrong. The Bible said in the book of Acts, there's more than one indication where their services were at least three to four hours. Minimum. Did you hear me? At least three to four hours. And a lot of people, boy, if it's not out at two hours on the dot, they're like, hmm, it's going too long. Well, that's being carnal. And I'm not bringing it up because I'm wanting to go longer. I'm not. Seriously, it's because I'm seeing that we're not going to see the strongest manifestations unless we change our mentality. Right? If we're in a hurry to get out of here too quick, then we don't want to see the glory of God manifest enough. We want something else more. Did you hear me? Now, I'm as much as anybody else. Don't just keep going on and on when there's no anointing. Right? When you get through, you're through. Let's go. But we must be open and get rid of these time constraints, right? Elsewise, you can miss God. There'll be times, you just watch it now, and this is not just Keith speaking now. There'll be times the Spirit of God will begin to move and we'll worship God for an hour and two. Did you hear me? That's all we'll do. We'll just worship and praise God or we'll fall on our face or we might begin to pray. And it'll go on for an hour or two or three. Did you hear me? And if you got a problem with that, you better get it straight because you could miss God. You could be left out of it. Right? And it's not about you and the preacher. It's not about you and the church. It's about us and God. Right? And I tell you what, when the presence of God is manifested, you don't care how long. I mean, that's where you want to be. That's where you want to. What would you run away to get to something better? I mean, where are you going? Right? What would be better than his manifest presence? So we've got to adjust our mentality. Don't take my word for it. Go to the book of Acts. You know the situation with Ananias and Sapphira. You remember that? They lied to the Holy Ghost. And Ananias fell dead. And the Bible said about the space of three hours later, Sapphira comes in. Service is still going on. I don't know how long it was going on before that. We've got to change our mentality. That's what the Lord is telling me. The, the people's mentality, talking about in, in church in general, is wrong about how long a service is supposed to go. That's how long they think or denomination thinks. That's not what the Lord says. How many believe meeting together and meeting with God ought to be the highlight of our week? Man, it ought to be. It ought, we ought not see how quick. Let's get in and get out and how quick we can. No. I mean, we ought to get ready for it and prepare and believe God's showing up with us. We're going to meet with God today. We're going to hear from the Lord. We're going to experience His glory. What if He keeps us here all day? Great. Great. What if He keeps us here for a week? Right? Glory. Glory. Well, look at this. Exodus 29, 43. There I'll meet with the children of Israel, he said, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified, how? By my glory. That's what will happen. Go to the 40th chapter, Exodus 40.
Exodus 40. Now, the previous chapters leading up to this, the Lord had told Moses everything to do in the tabernacle of God. I mean details. I mean use this particular wood. Use this particular color. Use this particular metal on this. Build this to these exact dimensions. X amount of feet and inches. I mean details. And let's notice how Moses responded. Verse 16, Exodus 40, 16. Thus did Moses, according to all that the Lord commanded him, so did he. Verse 19, he spread abroad the tent of the tabernacle. He put the covering of the tent upon it. How? As the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 21, they brought the ark into the tabernacle. They set up the veil of the covering. They covered the ark of the testimony. How'd they do it? Just as the Lord commanded Moses. They put the table in there in verse 39. They put the bread in order before the Lord. How? As the Lord commanded Moses. They put the candlestick. And verse 25, they lighted the lamps before the Lord. How'd they do it? As the Lord commanded Moses. They put the golden altar in the tent of the congregation before the veil. They put the burnt sweet incense thereon. As the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 29, said it again, as the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 32, as the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 33, he reared up the court round about the tabernacle and the altar and set up the hanging of the court gate. So Moses finished the work. The Lord gave him specific instructions. Do this this way. Do this this way. And it took some time. Do this exactly this way. Do this this way. And every time, what did he do? He did it, just like the Lord told him. Just like the Lord told him. Just like the Lord told him. And then they did what? Verse 33, the last phrase. They finished the work. Now notice what happened. Verse 34. Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Oh, hallelujah. Does this apply to us at all? Anything? Certainly. But sometimes people don't back up. They just read the last part. No. What do you do? You must follow his instructions. How did our text begin? If you love me, you'll do what? You'll keep my commandments. You'll do what I tell you to do. And if you do that, what's going to happen? I will manifest myself. to. Oh, do you see it? I'm getting excited. Do you see the principle though? I think sometimes people, they've heard about the glory, but they haven't seen the principle. What happened? He told them what to do. And they did it. How? Just like he told them. 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 I mean months and months. Just like he told them. And finally, when they got it all finished. And it was dedication day. Hallelujah. It was all finished. Then the manifest presence of God came and covered that place and filled that place. Hallelujah. He manifested himself to them because they loved him and obeyed him. Praise God. Glory. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle of God. Go with me on over to another place here. In Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles. Just keep turning past first and second Samuel and 
First and second Kings and First Chronicles, you'll get to Second Chronicles, the fifth chapter. Now, Moses was the overseer under the Lord concerning the construction and setup and operation of the tabernacle, which was the temporary house of God, a tent. But then how many understand David had in his heart to build God a permanent house? Yeah. And I, so he's sitting in his house one day and he turned and said to the prophet, he said, look, man, I'm living in this mansion and the ark of God's out there in a tent. He said, that's not right. And so he wanted to do something for the, how many understand that's the right kind of heart to have, right? You don't look around and your stuff is nicer than the church's stuff and the, that ain't right. So he said he wanted to do it, and eventually the Lord told the prophet, no, tell him he could prepare for it, but his son was going to do it. And sure enough, he prepared for He said, so I prepared with all my might. And buddy, he put billions together. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Woo! Talk about resources. He had them stockpiled for Sonny Boy when he was ready to do it. That's right. And so Solomon built the house, and it was glorious. Exceeding magnificent. You know, sometimes people get upset because they think, well, you know, that looks a little flashier. Oh, that's a little flashy. Have you ever read what God, God's directions, what he said he wanted? I mean, he wanted things, uh, you know, pure gold, pure silver, and lots of it. I mean, when the sun hit that place, you probably had to pull out your sunglasses. I mean, it, it was something. Splendid, glorious. Magnificent. Uh, the Bible said in verse 1 of chapter 5, 2 Chronicles 5, Thus all the work that Solomon made for the house of the Lord was what? Finished. And Solomon brought in all the things that David his father had dedicated, and the silver, and the gold, and all the instruments put he among the treasures of the house of God. How many know you can't do that if you're broke? Huh? You cannot build a place like this with no money. You cannot furnish it like this. You cannot set it up like this without money. It takes money. How many believe the casinos in Vegas ought to have more money than the kingdom of God? Huh? How many believe the mafia ought to have more money? Organized crime. Ungodly folks. Certainly not. God didn't put all these things in the world for the devil and his crowd. The enemy is a thief. He's using these things illegally. He has these things in possession, but it's not the perfect will of God. It doesn't please him. And the Bible tells us that God is able to transfer it. Isn't he? That the wealth of the wicked and the sinner is laid up for the just. He's talking about us. We're supposed to believe for it. We're supposed to claim it. Amen. And not just to lavish it all on ourselves, we can enjoy some nice things, but to get this message out. Oh, to get the good news to every corner of the earth and to do it first rate. First rate. Amen. Well, the Bible said that once it was finished, everybody say finished. Finished. That verse 11, verse 11, it came to pass when the priest were come out of the holy place. For all the priests that were present were sanctified and did not then wait by course. The Levites, which were the singers, all of them of Asaph and Heman, Jeduthun, with their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in white linen. Some nice 
choir robes. They had cymbals and psalteries and harps. Nice instruments. They stood at the east end of the altar and with them a hundred and twenty priests with trumpets. Now that's a brass section. Whoo! We got to step up, don't we? I mean, <laughs> okay, horn players, get your lips in shape now. Verse 13, it came even to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord. Well, now hold it right there. That wasn't this quiet, dead congregation with no instruments and no sound. Just sitting there praising the Lord in their heart with a silent prayer. You understand I'm describing myriads of churches in this country right here, right now, today. No, no. When you're full of God, it comes out. You're full of glory, it comes out. You're not intimidated and you're not embarrassed to throw up your hands. You're not embarrassed to go, glory to God. Great is the Lord our God and greatly to be praised. So y'all are just excited. Yeah, you should be too. Right? Y'all are just that Pentecostal faith bunch, wild bunch. Well, what are you? You're not that. What are you? No, man, they cranked up the volume. I mean, 120 trumpets blasting and the organs and the cymbals and I mean, the choir. This place was ripping, man. I mean, they were, they were bouncing. And what happened? They were singing, He's good. His mercy endures forever. He's good. His mercy endures forever. He's good. His mercy. They were singing it. They were playing it. It had some power. It had some punch. And while they were doing that, then the house was filled with a cloud. Even the house of the Lord. The house of the Lord. Does God have a house today? Yes, He does. The house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud. Well, if they couldn't stand, where are they? If you ain't standing, where are you? You're lying or sitting or something, but you ain't standing. Right? See, falling under the power is nothing new. It's been around a long time. Long time. You come in contact with strong enough glory and manifestation. Next thing you know, you'll be getting up. It's not weird. It's not strange. It's always been that way. When the power, the supernatural power of God, your flesh, mortal flesh comes in contact with that. Something's got to give. And it won't be the glory of God. Oh, thank you, Lord. But it don't hurt you. I said it doesn't hurt you. I've seen, you know, now, we live in a day where some people don't know these things and people are trained to fall. 
Sometimes in healing lines, sometimes I'll grab people and hold them because they fall before you minister to them. Well, if the anointing really is on them, that's okay. But sometimes people are just trained to fall. Falling doesn't heal you. It's believing you receive. But if the anointing comes on you and you fall, that's okay too. But uh, in the little church I grew up with, there were times where the Spirit of God would move. Sometimes people would put on and carry on. But sometimes there was the real move of the Spirit. I've seen people fall. Well, actually, Phyllis, what you one night, the night you got filled with the Holy Ghost, was that you fell, you came down to the front to pray, and fell out, and we had no catchers. We'd never heard of a catcher. She hit her head on the corner, uh, just a wood sharp corner of the altar. I mean, it sounded like you hit her with a bat. You could hear it all over the church. I was concerned initially. I mean, boom, and she fell out, and in a few minutes she got up, I said, uh, How's your head? She said, what? I said, man, you hit that corner hard enough to crack your skull. She said, no. Never a bruise, never anything. I've seen that kind of thing when people are really in the spirit. But now you're fooling around, just doing something, you can get hurt. And I've seen people do that too. But what I'm saying, when the glory of God is manifest, man, you don't even have to think about all that stuff. I mean, you, the glory of God's not going to hurt you. You're just going to be blessed. You'll get up healed. You'll get up free. You'll get up delivered. Amen. That's what the glory will do for you. But notice what happened. It was when the work they gave them to do was finished. When they set things up like he told them to do, they obeyed him. Then he manifested himself to them. And the glory of God filled the house of God. Said out loud, the glory of God. Filled the house of God. Let's say it together two or three times. The glory of God filled the house of God. One more time. The glory of God filled the house of God. Now go with me over to the New Testament now. And let's talk about application. In 1 Corinthians... 1 Corinthians, oh, thank you, Father. The third chapter, I tell you, God is setting us up. (laughs) Boy, he knows how to do it. He is setting us up. I wouldn't want to miss what's coming up, and we won't. Say it out loud again, the glory of God. Filled the house of God. In 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16. 1 Corinthians 3.16. He said, know you not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. You. Now, we must There's some adjustments. The Lord's dealing with me early this morning about this. We get to talking about these things. We get excited about the glory of God. And usually people that are being more natural, they get to thinking, I want to see the glory. I want to see the glory cloud fill up the church house. Well, God can do that. And I believe we will see some manifestations of these kind of things as signs. Did you hear me? But to focus on that would be wrong. 
Because today, this building is not the temple of God. It belongs to Him. It's His. We've dedicated it to Him. But this building is not the temple of God. This building is not the house of God. What is the house of God? The true house of God. The true temple of God. We, as His people, as believers, make it up worldwide. Right? We are His house. And the Bible said in Luke, you know, people would say, you know, here's the kingdom or there's the kingdom. He said, don't believe it because the kingdom of God does not come with outward show or observation. The kingdom of God is within you, is in you. Everybody said out loud, in us. In us. And the scripture talks about that Christ in us is the hope and expectation of glory. So, uh, let me go a little bit further. Hold your place right here and go over to uh, the 14th chapter to give some further insight on this. In 1 Corinthians 14 and 21, this may answer some questions that some people have about this subject. 14:21, he said, in the law it is written... With other tongues and other lips will I speak to this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me, says the Lord. Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serves not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. Now, some people that don't speak in tongues and don't understand these things, they've tried to make this say things that it uh, doesn't say. And they'll even try to misapply other passages like in 12 where it says, do all speak with tongues, 1230. And they try to say, well, see there, not everybody should or can speak with tongues. No, no. You've got to look at the whole passage. And one phrase that will help you understand this, when he says tongues are for a sign, if you'll add this in your thinking, tongues without interpretation are for a sign. Now, you've got to remember how they got started. In fact, just go back to the book of Acts. Go ahead and turn back there now, if you would. Very first chapter, you're going to see some real similarities. How did they get started? Did they hear some tongues in the beginning? Yes, they did. And when they did, it was a sign tongue. Right? And the sign was for who? Unbelievers. Now in Acts, the uh, second chapter, the Bible said in verse 1, Acts 2, 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord In one place, does that sound familiar? We just got through reading about the folks lifting up their voice as one voice in that one place and one accord. Then what happened? The glory of the Lord came and filled the place. What happened on this day? Suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it did what? Fill the house. Say it out loud. Fill the house. Fill the house. And... Uh, where they were sitting, there appeared to them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each one of them. Is that glorious? Is that a manifestation of the glory of God? 
And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Do we have the same Holy Ghost today? Why shouldn't we have the same manifestation? Right? Why shouldn't we? Well, thank God we do. And they were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. And when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because they heard every man, they heard them speak in his own language. And verse 8, they said, how hear we every man in our tongue wherein we were born? Now see, that's what was happening at the church of Corinth because this is how they started out. They got filled with the Holy Ghost. And they begin to speak with tongues. And at that particular time, all these people from other countries were visiting in town. And when they came out staggering around and wobbling drunk in the Holy Ghost and talking in languages they didn't understand, these people understood them. You know, they understood them in all their languages. And it was a sign to the unbeliever. Did you see that? Well, then, though, and boy, this is people make a mistake. Obviously, now, in the church of Corinth, they having heard that, people are popping up, talking in tongues with no interpretation, expecting it to be a sign. Right? In the congregation. He's telling them, no, in the congregation, if it's public, it should be interpreted. Right? But he said prophecy is for the believer, inspired utterance in a known tongue, in an unknown tongue, it's for, and if there's no interpretation and people understand it, that's a sign. But that's not for the believer, that's for who? Well, see, these kind of signs are primarily for the unbelievers. Are you with me? Sometimes people don't like to hear some of these things, but it's so. Well, I want to see fire on top of the house. Well, we may see it, but that kind of thing is primarily for who? Unbelievers. Well, we see a cloud resting in the top of the building or out in the parking lot. Well, we might see it. But that would be primarily for who? Unbelievers. But does that mean that we say, well, we're not expecting anything? No, no, no. We are his house. His glory fills us. Oh, we're not excited enough about that. (laughs) Because people being natural go, well, I want to see it, Brother Keith. Well, I know you do. And we will see some things, but if you only focus on that, you'll miss the big stuff. Amen. We must not be, well, i got to see. If I could see it, then I'd believe it. No, if you saw it, then you'd be seeing it. It'd be too late for faith. We must not get into walking by sight. Well, I want to see something. I want to feel something. I want to see something. That's being unspiritual. That's being carnal. No, we are the temple of God. We are the house of God. And He can fill you with His glory. He can fill this place and this church and this congregation with His glory. And you'll be so ecstatic. You don't care if you see anything. You you got your eyes closed and you're seeing plenty. Hallelujah. Full of the glory. Full of the prep. That's the reality. That's the main thing. To focus on. And then God will do signs. He will do some things. For the benefit of unbelievers. But we're not to get caught up and carried away with those things. It'll come shortly that there will be signs. 
There will be manifestations of things seen by the human eye, heard by the human ear. But don't be over impressed with these. Don't leave the word and walking by faith and hold this up and go, we saw it, we saw it. Don't focus on the scene. Realize it is a sign to the unbeliever. Realize that my reality to you has always been by faith and is in my word. Hold it strong. Hold it dear. Do not be distracted by anything else and you'll be safe. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Friends, we are living in glorious times. And God is doing things and about to do things that will shake the unbeliever, they, things that they can see in here, and you watch it. People are going to flood this place. They're going to flood churches all over. They're going to run in because they heard and saw something. But now listen, we must not gravitate like them to what's seen and heard. We must not. That's one reason God's been dealing with us, helping us, growing us up quickly on the Word. On the word. And you and I have got to be so solid. That no matter what we see. No matter what we hear. No matter what we feel. We say where's it at? Where's it at? Well it's not in the word. Well then we don't receive it. Yeah but it's spectacular. I don't care. The enemy can do stuff too. Did you hear me? Well it's spiritual. That don't mean it's God. Well it's real. You know they experienced it. They saw it. That doesn't mean it's God. No. God's getting us ready. Can you sense it? Some things are about to happen. And he's getting us ready so that we will not be moved, we'll not be distracted, we'll not go off on tangents. We'll be safe. We'll be secure. Amen. And when people come in, unbelievers see and hear that they come in on these things, then what do we do? We say, come on in here. Well, I saw it. I saw it. Great, great, great. But here's the Bible. Come on. Let's get in the Word. This is the more sure thing right here. Thank God for these things. Thank God for these signs. But we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. And our faith comes from the Word. Can you say amen? Amen. Glory to God. Everybody just, let's praise the Lord just a minute. Let's give Him thanks, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. We worship you. We glorify you. We magnify you. Thank you. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. (laughs) We're in a good place. Go to 1 Corinthians again. If you're holding your place there, let me read this to you again. What times we're living in. Such excitement. Mm-mm. If you study history a little bit, you'll find, like uh, the moves of God in Topeka, Kansas at the turn of the century, the move of God at Azusa Street, the move of God in different places, again and again, they got off. Because they began emphasizing what they were seeing and feeling instead of the Word. Did you hear me? They began to emphasize the miraculous. They began to emphasize the spectacular. This is not right. This is not the way God is playing. Thank God for these things. But how many believe God can have us settled enough and secure enough that we can see all kinds of things 
and experience all kind of things, but it's not going to change how we live. We live by faith, right? We live by the word. And that's the way it'll always be. And we will measure everything and judge everything by his word. It cannot fail. In 1 Corinthians 3, it's beginning is what's happening. 1 Corinthians 3, 16, we read it to you. Let me read it in the Amplified. He said, do you not discern and understand that you, the whole church at Corinth, let's just stop right here. Now see, over in 1 Corinthians 6, he says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? This is a different thing. He says here, 1 Corinthians 3, he said, do you not know that you, and the implication is all of you, corporately, and that's what the Amplified brings out, the whole church at Corinth, that you are God's temple, his sanctuary, and God's spirit has his permanent dwelling in you, to be at home in you, collectively as a church, and also individually. Thank God for the Lord manifesting himself in our lives at home when we're laying on our bed or riding in our car, sweeping the floor, washing the dish or cutting the grass. But there is a way that he can manifest himself in a higher level when we all come together. I come in as a living stone. You come in as a living stone. All of us come together to make up a building of God. And when we obey him, And finish doing what he tells us to do. Here he comes. Here he comes. Here he comes. To inhabit his house. Houses are not made to be empty. They're made to be lived in. Houses are made to be indwelt. Houses are made to be filled. And God's house is made to be filled with his glory. With his presence. Oh, hallelujah. Go to Ephesians and let's see this. Second chapter. Ephesians. Are we having fun yet? Ephesians 2. And verse 20. He said. I'm going to read the Amplified again. You are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. With Jesus Christ himself. The chief cornerstone. You know, they used to sing, working on a building. (laughs) How many believe God's been working on a building for centuries now? Working on a building. And the Bible said we are, and Peter talks about, we're living stones. And the Bible talks about we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. He is the cement. He is the seal. And how many understand, every time you see lost folk, you ought to think, building materials. Right? That's right. That's what God's building this house out of. Because soon and very soon, the last living stone is going to be sealed in place by the Holy Spirit. And the temple is going to be complete. And the temple is going to be finished. For what? For what? For what? Here comes the glory of God in an unprecedented manner. Oh, if you thought the glory of the first tabernacle was something, oh, you ain't seen nothing yet. Because the glory of the latter house will far excel the glory of the former house. 
And we could live to see it. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, hallelujah. Woo. We certainly will see the beginnings of it. Yes, sir. It's happening right now. Amen. He said, God's building this. And what did he say? The next verse. In whom, or in, in the Amplified, in him, the whole structure is joined, bound, welded together harmoniously. He's talking about our church. He's talking about our family. And he's talking about all the families and churches in the earth that are truly his, that make up the whole house. It continues to rise and grow and increase into a holy temple in the Lord. A sanctuary dedicated, consecrated, sacred to the presence of the Lord. I mean, the first service we had in this place, the Lord told me in no uncertain terms. I wrote it down. I told it to you. He said, this place is mine. He said, dedicate it to me. Set it apart to me. Nothing happens in here that I don't approve of. Nothing goes on in here. And we've had all kind of people want to use it for different things. But we have to say, no, no, no. Unless the Lord says so, no, no. This is his place. And this is not even the house of God. This is just one of his physical properties. He told us that so we would prepare our mind. So that when we come into this place, we have the mindset of we are his holy house. Nothing happens in us but what he says. We're dedicated to his exclusive uses and purposes. We are his. Do with us what pleases you. He said we're built together. We're increasing and rising together. Verse 22. Said in him and in fellowship with one another. You yourselves are being built up into this structure with the rest. To form a fixed abode. A dwelling place of God in the spirit. The Holy Spirit's house is us. Right? The dwelling place of the glory is us. That's what we're to believe for. More than to see the cloud with our eyes. More than to hear the rushing mighty wind. We will hear some things. We will see some things. But don't focus on that. Don't focus on that. What are we believing for? We're believing for the glory of God to fill us up inside. All of us corporately until we know that we know that the real house of God is filled with the glory of God. That's not what you, you can't see that with the human eye. Oh, but you know it. I said, oh, but you know it. And when the inside is full, everything on the outside begins to change. Everything around it begins to change when the inside is full. Said out loud again, the house of God was filled. With the glory of God. Stand on your feet and say it. The glory of God. Fills. The house of God. Let's say it all out loud together. The glory of God. Fills. The house of God. The glory of God. Fills. The house of God. The glory of God. Fills. The house of God. Of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. 
If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.